I'm Ken. <clears throat> this is Arbitrarily Deterministic on KeithFM.com, the show where I talk to people that I admire. Sometimes those people are on the internet <clears throat> and we talk like over some sort of chat thing. Sometimes those people are in the studio with me, which is pretty cool, like our guest today. Before we get into that, if you look on the screen there, you see a nice little yellow PayPal donate button that helps us out. If you have a Tez wallet, you can send Tez tokens or Tez to I don't like podcasts.tez. Thank you, Ozzy, for that wonderful gift. <laughs> If you want to send me some ETH, you can send me ETH to kenconsumer.eth. Everything that we're going to talk about today is going to focus around digital art, digital design. Sometimes these things are sold as NFTs. NFTs by nature are financialized products. We are not giving any financial advice. If you take financial advice from us, you are an idiot. End of story there. Today on the show, I've got Julian Hespenheide. Hi, Julian. Hi, Ken. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, why do I have you on the show today? Um, I think because I'm an interesting person, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I usually mm, need some time to warm up. So mm -hmm. talking to me on or in a format like this. Mm-hmm might give you some more clues about what I think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Probably. Yeah. Uh, in this situation, it's probably that, that that's the case. Over the summer, you and I met. We hung out by the uh, coffee shop, and we talked a little bit, and I asked you a question, and that question was, do you consider yourself an artist or a designer? And without missing a beat, you said you were a designer. Yes. Let's talk about that. I'm interested in this part before we get into going into some of these other little things about, about you. Mm -hmm. Tell me about all of that. All of my give me a, Give me a career. reason why you call yourself a designer and not an artist. Um, because I like to follow principles, I think. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I like to create systems that are being used, that are being maybe consumed in a way. Um, that's why I would think I'm a designer, like... I like to make things that are nice mm -hmm. somehow that are not just visually nice, but also have a feeling. And um, that's why I studied design. And um, in my bachelor and my master, uh, especially my master, I put then more an emphasis on interaction design, uh, where I moved more into the physical room. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, we have many rooms. We have the digital room with virtual realities, but uh, in physical space, I mm -hmm. would say, um, I've, I've started to learn how to take my design philosophies and principles and how to apply them there in, let's say, more interactive sculptures. But we can also d divide a bit, like what is interactive or something that is, you know, just kind of a programmed kinetic sculpture mm -hmm. so um, that's why i would consider myself more a designer interaction designer or 
if I have to say the artist word, new media artist. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I, I always shy away from the, let's say, pure artist because it's such a heavy, also a history to it. Yeah, but new media, I mean, when you say that, Right there, you're using... I mean, I think of a new media artist as an artist. I think of you as a new... I, I actually think of you as an artist. I mean, I know that we're having this thing here as a different... And this is the point of the conversation. Mm -hmm. But you, you very clearly have made this distinction for yourself that design has principles and artists don't. <laughs> like, in that, in that, in that way, for, for the way you were talking about, whenever you use the term new media artist, like, that's fascinating because isn't that that's what you're doing right it is i i think okay to maybe get more into this between mm -hmm. artists and designers like let's say art and or what artists are doing is like using their emotions like mm -hmm. i would put that more to the front where the designers have more principles um we can like really go deep in there maybe and uh, <laughs> I, i think we should just leave this out okay at this point <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with the new media arts, I think it's, I feel it's a bit lighter to say this because um, just talking about technologies and media, especially like the media <coughs> that can communicate back to you, mm -hmm. makes it a little bit easier for me to understand mm -hmm. the whole artist thing. But also that's where I see like the combination, you know, at this intersection of art, design, technology, mm -hmm. all comes together somehow in the new media arts and Yeah, it's somehow easier to digest in the end. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really make a distinction there, though. I yeah. Mean, from artist to new media artist. I mean, I'm not really thinking about it like that. I kind of think that that's... Um, I read a Twitter, the thing somebody wrote the other day that said that there's... Um, that digital art is now the, you know, is, is the, the dominant form of art mm. um, in on the planet. You know, that's... Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> it proliferates so incredibly quickly mm. because it just, you know, gets, you know, and goes out there. Not everybody's making art that's putting art art out there. You know, mm. not everybody out there that's putting out art as an artist. So there's all those distinctions that you can make there. From this design perspective, most of the time I think of design as having a function, you mm -hmm. know, like in your life for a specific reason. I think of art as not really having a function. It's the difference between like a premium item and a luxury item, mm -hmm. right? How does FSM fit into, how does that, what, what's the function of FSM? You know, if it's not a luxury item, like, <laughs> do you, do you see my point here? Okay. Um, I think there is a function in there. I mean, There are many functions I have written by code. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but I mean, to... <laughs> how does it? How does that affect me though? Like, like let's. I mean, like, how does that affect? Because, like, okay, design, product design, interactive design, these things they have points, right? Mm. But like, if it's not, if it's not art, and it, but it, what's the function of it then? You know, I wouldn't call it not art. Okay. I mean, for me, that's generative art. Okay, okay. So you do think that that's art. I guess, yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, I would agree with that, and right. I would be stupid to not. <laughs> well, I was confused because whenever I asked you about it, I was thinking about, well, then if he's not making generative art, he's making generative design, and how does the generative design fit into the bigger picture mm. of, of the overall 
meaning of what design means, you know, and so and versus what art means and that whole like idea of like I said, premium versus luxury items, you know. And yeah. premium you expect more functionality or something from it. Luxury you expect nothing. <laughs> you know, it's like this is just cool. This is a, a neat thing. Yeah, I don't know if I can uh, if I should make the distinction there, like mm -hmm. between the person Like I consider myself this and this, mm -hmm. but the things that I'm doing maybe consider that and that. Mm -hmm. So maybe FSM in that sense is a generative art piece, a long form mm -hmm. piece somehow, because it has like it follows a lot of these pr uh, principles and oh, principles rules. Yeah, uh, that we would find you know in more traditional um, yeah generative art mm -hmm. pieces like the practice uh, that you have like some autonomy in there and it runs on itself so um, I, i wouldn't consider it a luxury product now like as a design piece but it is in a way designed uh, to also like and how it moves and uh, how certain things are happening that's uh, very much a system that i kind of open for the viewer for someone to enjoy But it's something that I usually do in my works that I um, don't say, okay, this should evoke now this emotion or that emotion. It's like an open box. You look into it and then you're like, all right, what is happening here? And then I get like very nice feedback from people mm -hmm. who are touched by this in different ways. They see different things. It's sometimes like this Rorschach test mm -hmm. when you show them an image and then they see like their parents fighting and another person sees, oh, that's a beautiful butterfly. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, this kind of feedback, I it comes back to me and I'm usually very happy to hear this and read this. Uh -huh. So, yeah. I Talk about FSM for, for a bit. What, is it, what does it stand for again? It stands for finite state machine. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like from automata theory where you have some like, Automata, is that the right pronunciation? Yeah. Um, something like, let's say, I, I think I, I wrote like an article later on FSM, mm -hmm. which is also on FX hash. Um, I'll link to that in the show notes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but in there, like I have this example of a traffic light, which has this like three lights, red, orange, and green. Mm -hmm. And there's like an, a specific order to this, like a sequence. So like... It goes from red to orange, green, and mm -hmm. then it just switches back. Mm -hmm. So that's like three states in a way, but you can also say it has these two states. You stop, you yield with your car or as a, with a bike driver. You, In some way, you have to stop in front of the light, mm -hmm. and when you have green, you go. And then there's a transition state in between. So FSM is basically taking that principle from automata, mm -hmm. automata theory and extends it mm -hmm. to like the most maximalist way. Like okay. for that work, I put 120% of everything I had into. Mm -hmm. So it may be over complex uh, in the way it was designed and takes some time to understand, but um, there's like sequences that are happening and the sequences, there's always like something counting in the background and seeing like, aha, do we have too much of a visual uh, clutter mm -hmm. on screen? We need to erase this now. Then there's something like other stepping in, taking over the screen for a while, and then, you know, and so on. Like these kind of things, they're all uh, intermingling with each other yeah. under the hood. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's where most of this like seemingly complex movements come from. 
um, the system itself. Like at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. when I knew that I wanted to do something like this, I didn't know how to write any shader code. Like I was just sitting there, oh, this is just black magic, voodoo stuff. I, I will <laughs> never learn this. And uh, I've been, I don't know, programming sort of since I I was 14. Yeah. I mean, back then it was like script kiddie stuff on the internet. Mm-hmm. And only when I started to uh, go to university, I had a proper education about this, like how to do some things and this and that. But um, yeah, with um, within my studies, I, I studied with uh, Professor Frieda Nake. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So he is, yeah. Yeah. Most people know him also as one of the pioneers of generative art. And uh, we had... And where, where was this at? This was in Bremen. In Bremen. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a very nice university we have there. Yeah. You teach there, right? Yeah, I teach there now. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can come back to this in a second, I guess, yeah, yeah, more yeah, later yeah, when yeah, we have yeah, some outlook. So. But um, yeah, learning from him was, was great because then you get this like firsthand knowledge how things should be. Yeah. And one of the things that he said about generative art is uh, it shouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. It needs to be stro- de- destroyed. Like the computer needs to destroy art. Yep. And that's like this sort of thing that we can see in FSM. We always have a little bit like a momentarily snapshot of a state and then it gets completely overwritten by something else. Yeah. And that's pretty dope. Yeah. But yeah. what I want to say is like during those studies, I never learned any shaders. <laughs> like the people who wanted to learn it did very mm-hmm. early. I completely ignored and tried to force my way through until recently because last year when i released with uh, bright moments the kernels collection mm-hmm. um i saw some limits of uh, where my skills mm-hmm. were kind of going and i needed to overcome that and then this like parallel computing with the shaders kind of yeah really helped me <laughs> <laughs> it was really a relief to get to that point but uh, it was also kind of hard to chew through those things like no one really helps you there are very nice resources like uh, the book of shaders but it just ended right for what i needed oh yeah so i got the basics and then i was just like stuck there and then Uh there were some things like missing but Uh uh yeah i kind of figured it out and uh that's now in fsm and runs super nicely and oh, i'm yeah, it does. quite happy with this yeah, you should be it's a great one yeah so okay. how long from beginning to end did it take you to code that thing um tough question because you don't just code things uh in a month or so because you have all of these years of experience before i mean that's what every designer would tell you. Like, I can draw you a nice logo with a couple of strokes on the, I don't know, sure. tissue. But then I will ask from you like 50,000. Yeah. Uh, and you will be like, but you did this in two minutes or something. It took like, me 30 years to make that. Exactly. Minutes, yeah. So uh, it's hard to I, gauge I, that. I get it. But I remember in, on our walk, you and I started talking about like how you got to that. Mm. And you told me it was roughly like. Because you started working on one thing and then you jumped over to another yeah. thing and then you came back to that. So it was like 18 months you said something like this? Just like, for FSM? 
Yeah, or no, maybe I'm... No, no, I think that's reading. that. That's uh, maybe something else oh, we okay. talked about. But okay. uh, FSM, I think, like, I, um, with the shaders, I started yeah. to explore this in April, maybe. Okay. It took me then a month to get where yeah. I wanted. Got it. Uh, actually, to build this whole pipeline. Yeah. And so it behaves like I wanted. Yeah. And then... I would say maybe two months yeah. to get everything together because I had a lot of notes flying around. <laughs> <laughs> like I always have a sketchbook with me yeah. and they were all in there and then I have digital uh, notes all over my computer in little folders. Like I play this like hide and seek with myself, <laughs> which is terrible. <laughs> I shouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> But iCloud will not save us with this <laughs> synchronizing, or not at least not me. Um, yeah, but uh, I would say like just the pure development time of just writing that stuff and testing was around two months, mm. and yeah, that's a long time, right? I mean, I'm just like pure ass coding. That's pretty great. Yeah, I mean, I, I like from my outward look. I mean, I saw it and I was just. I was floored. I was like, man, that shit is really, really cool. Thank you. <laughs> I came, I was working and I missed it. And I had mm. to go upstairs and was just like, I just dug through it for a little while. I was like, I don't really care what it costs. I need to buy one of these. I need to have it. Cause it's just really cool to have a, that piece. And then when I went and saw it at, um, saw you the next day, I guess at uh, bright moment. So yeah. I saw that nice chart and that chart really helped me kind of like understand a little bit more of like where things fit why don't we talk about that so things move in different states they, like some things have full-on ascii characters some of them don't or they all do i guess but they some are like letters and numbers and some of them don't have the letters and numbers yeah them. yeah so i mean the the chart you're talking about is basically um i would call it the grid mm -hmm. and um that's that's in two maybe three ways uh homage Mm -hmm. One is to uh, Edmund A. Abbott's Flatland. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you know this book. It's uh, it's basically a, a story about many dimensions. It's very nice to read. Like you follow the, um, the story of a, I don't know if it was a tetrahedron or right now. I, I'm, I'm forgetting, but you mm -hmm. everything is described to you in this like 2d world mm -hmm. how how you would perceive a 2d world so we can like hover around let's say this glass and the microphone here and see it from all sides but now imagine you're just like on a plane and things have just length mm -hmm. so there's like this uh, sort of uh, there were references in there like how do they navigate within the world and find out where is north so there's uh, certain events that are happening at times where it's just raining from the north to the south and they see it as long streaks passing by. Oh, yeah. And I picked that up. So in FSM, <laughs> like you have hourly events yeah. uh, always like every full hour. It's starting to synchronize all pieces together. Ah, so cool. And we could see that in the gallery the best on yeah. the eight screens when all of a sudden they all had, this, you know, kind of rain, rain mode yeah, yeah, yeah. Was dope. so this is like to flatland uh, a pointer and um, the grid actually is more inspired by terraforms by math castle studios uh -huh. yeah. and um, <clears throat> they have built this like uh, hyper castle uh, which is basically a three structure of the whole collection 
but um, I don't know, like if if um, they have um, kind of how do you say? My 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 guess is from my simple understanding of uh, how random distribution works yeah. uh, that we have like kind of a bell curve. You uh -huh. know this normalized bell curve. Yeah. So if you have a lot of uh, random numbers they all fall in the middle part and it gets thinner to the outsides yeah so you get this sort of maybe even donor structure <laughs> <laughs> meat tornado yes <laughs> the meat tornado <laughs> but um yeah it's a bit thin on the outside so you have this like hypercastle structure and it yeah. kind of comes i feel like in uh, alive just by the collection number yeah. like you can have a random distribu distribution holds like Okay. Inside of that hypercastle, like where there's no nothing minted, yeah, but the whole over, overall uh, structure makes it worth it. Like to look at it, so you can go through this 3D thing from up to down, zoom in, zoom out through different levels. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't have that <laughs> option <laughs> to go to 10k. Yeah, sure. Um, so my edition number for FSM is. Uh, way much more limited mm -hmm. it's a hundred mm -hmm. uh so from the very beginning i was thinking like okay i need to find a way somehow to actually give each and every one a distinct cell within this uh, grid mm -hmm. so that i don't have let's say two people occupying position zero zero and then let's say in 3.4 it's open mm -hmm. and maybe I didn't want that to happen. I wanted somehow like a complete, complete set, set of it. Yeah, yeah, that people can be neighbors to each other, because these uh, this grid also has like these um, eight cardinal directions. So uh -huh. we have northeast, southwest, but also northeast, southeast, northwest, southwest, mm -hmm. and for each cardinal direction, then we have different states happening. So if you are in the north, for example, you have very, uh, I imagine, like windy, uh, mm -hmm. rainy, con rainy conditions. And uh, there's, there are states that are yeah, predominant to the north, mm -hmm. like windy state. So all of a sudden your whole screen starts to wobble in a different way. Then if, if you would go to the south, in the south it's very like hot, Tish, I would say, mm -hmm. kind of structured. There are different states down there. But if you go around the edges, like I have some kind of a castellated design pattern that can distribute some of the states, you get the edge um, state. I mean, uh, this it basically looks like more like a fog of war that's inspired from video games uh -huh. like you shouldn't go yeah, yeah. further than the fog of war is telling you this sure. sort of thing like in civ yes or the old command conquer games yeah, like exactly. this you <laughs> have to explore this but actually the map ends here so you cannot go further yeah, yeah. so sometimes you get in this edge uh fsm cells like the state and then you're like all right <laughs> this may be the end of the map <laughs> um yeah but um i love uh terraforms and i still don't have one mm. um i'm too poor but <laughs> they're very expensive huh yeah yeah, yeah. but uh, i would like uh, love to collect one 
one day. Yeah. Um, until then, I will just do my own marshes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And um, maybe a third reference is uh, Dwarf Fortress. I mean, I don't know if you know about Dwarf Fortress. It's like a video game where yeah. you have, um, it's basically a text mode video game where you just play around with all of these like ASCII characters on screen. Mm. And um, it's very wild. Like the, the engine underneath like was made, written by two developers and it's basically their life work. But uh, they have it down and uh, to the point that you have like a single character on screen, which would represent maybe a cat. And that has its own stats, like behavior, everything behind it. It's a like full on sim simulation. And it can interact with other things. Like uh, they had an update where they accidentally um, uh, had cats that would be able to drink wine and then they would get poisoned. And there's like weird bugs inside, like such a complexity. And you look at this, it's just like, this looks like a DOS game. I don't know, <laughs> but it's super when did deep. It, when did it come out? Oh, I don't know. Uh, is it old? No, I mean, yeah, it's kind of old-ish. Mm. I, I don't know if the release was a few years, like for a final version, but they have also updated the graphics in the meantime, like, but they're still working on this and it's amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And so how, and, and so you, you're using that as the third part because of using the ASCII yeah. work in there. I mean, that seems to be a thing that, um, uh, um, people who work in, in generative work tend to want to play around inside that realm of using those kind of characters. I find some of it to be good. Some of it, some of it, not, it works really well mm -hmm. in, in FSM. Um, and I find that, I think that's pretty cool. There was a piece on FX hash in the early days from somebody called, I think they're called Felix Daimler now or mm -hmm. whatever, but they had a different name back then. And that's a really nice, there's some really nice pieces in that using ASCII. And that's one of the first times I was like, oh, that's really dope. That's a really good <laughs> one. Good way of using that. Andreas Giesen uses a lot of that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Do you look at a lot of his work? Yeah, he's a huge inspiration for me. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cool. Have you ever met him? No. I mean, neither. I, I think two days ago I was looking through old, no, there wasn't. Oh, it was two days ago. I was looking through old footage, which I found. One was from uh, Resonate 2015. The festival mm -hmm. is like a new media arts festival yeah. in, in Belgrade, Serbia. And right at the beginning, like there was a frame where Andreas was like doing a workshop. Uh -huh. And then the camera pans over and there's like my group when we were still students working on our physical installation in the atrium. <laughs> so we were kind of almost in the same room. <laughs> We were almost near each other once. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's funny. Do you, did you know? Do you know Kim personally? Because he lives over um, in Bremen. And did you know Kim? Uh, we have met a yeah. few times mm -hmm. through bright moments. Okay, you um, didn't know him back in Bremen, or you never met over there. I never met him personally before, but you know his digital presence yeah, is yeah. very strong. And during my studies, like yeah. when I got interested, also into you know this very rudimentary pixel stuff mm -hmm. there's this isdf mm. sdf sort yeah as oh. repository basically for code experiments and everything uh -huh. and um yeah 
everyone was looking at that and trying it out like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep that guy's a boss mm-hmm. yeah, that's the way it is yeah so back to this when you were growing up did you kind of and you knew you wanted to use computers did you always kind of have this idea that you wanted to um make these kinds of things or did you think that you wanted to make actual physical things at some point or you know were you thinking about being a product designer or you know um. I think I never wanted to be a product designer, mm. but I wanted to be someone who acts like a product designer, like mocking them a bit. What do you mean? Our professor, like another professor, which I was uh, more connected to, he had these like um, nice documentations of his works. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were always presented like in a whitish setting like very nicely photographed as a product Mm -hmm. but you know there were these like wild things that you do with micro uh, electronics Mm -hmm. but then you would also kind of put a nice housing around it so you may want to actually use it and touch it you know this kind of I I felt it was always a bit of a mockery (laughs) towards product designers. Ah, Like we can take the shit out of you. Plus we can make it very functional (laughs) and interactive. Like, um, but I I didn't grow up thinking like, I want to do this. Like I may have had always like some kind of um, hang towards engineering, Mm -hmm. like looking, how can I solve things? Like an, an analytical mind and then trying to deconstruct things. So this is also something that you can find in FSM again. Like it's really like I I was designing that system by breaking it down to its most single parts until like I reached a single glyph Mm -hmm. and then build it from there again. Like, Which is rad. uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's also a lot of work. (laughs) I mean, I think when, you know, like when I was growing up, you know, I wanted to be a fire engine or something. I don't know what the hell I wanted to be. (laughs) (laughs) Could have been an airplane for all that mattered. Um, but I kind of always, you know, was creating and I always knew I wanted to kind of draw and be involved in that and in, in that way. And when I hit college, I sort of, you know, went down that path pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And some people don't realize that they want to do these kinds of things until they're much later in life. Some people know right away, hey, I want to be a vet, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to do this kind of stuff. Did you ever have that? Like, did you, even though you were analytical and whatnot, did you have that? I'm analytical, but I'm also creative and have to take this thing apart so that I can rebuild it and build it my own way. I think the the rebuilding or taking apart part came only later, but mm-hmm. I always had the creative drive. So you had that part. Yeah, yeah. like I, I was playing, for example, music instruments, like different ones, uh-huh. piano, bass guitar later, which was a bit more relaxed uh-huh. and fit more, <laughs> more to my character. Yep. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think like, when you, you played a band? I played in a band, cool. but it was like, you know, always in the school context. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, you know, Nirvana and Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know this. <laughs> <laughs> Were you up there acting like Flea? Were you like, I tried to, yeah. <laughs> I would love that. Holy shit. Oh, oh I need to show you videos. I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah, you uh, do. If I find them. <laughs> I think everybody needs to see those. <laughs> we leave everyone out there. There's too many people. <laughs> All right, just a select few, just a select yeah, few. Yeah, okay. And yeah. if you're listening and you DM me, you'll be one of those select few. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, uh, but I think that it, there's a lot of, um, let's say with 
people who grow up already with music that they kind of uh, always have this kind of maybe drive mm -hmm. uh, instilled. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I wish I had like someone mentoring me a bit uh, earlier, telling me like, you're not supposed to do this or that, but yeah, you are someone who is very creative and has a lot of output yeah. and you need to be directed. That didn't happen. Um, like, I don't know, so environments and contexts where you grow up, like, yeah. then you find it by yourself and then you're still happy. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's a tough yep. one. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough one. I'm the same way. I mean, I didn't really have anybody guiding me. Mm -hmm. my, my mom was always really cool about like, yo, your your art's good. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> my mom's a good painter, great painter, and she makes nice. quilts and stuff. And so, like, I always had that kind of edge. My dad never really cared about that kind of stuff, and still doesn't. Um, and so, it's sort of like it was always difficult. It was like, well, I'd tell him, man, I made this great breakthrough, and he'd be like, who gives a shit. <laughs> I mean, you know, it keeps me grounded. Yeah. <laughs> My parents like what I do. Yeah. But they also don't understand it. Sure. <laughs> but I keep it uh, open on purpose. So, yeah. like, yeah. everyone's interpretation is valid in the end. Do you show them everything you do? Um, yeah, I actually try. I mean, not everything, because yeah. last year I was producing everyday sure. pieces. There was a little bit too much, but... Yeah. I try to share with them, you know, key points, like high points. Mm -hmm. yeah. My road, like I always get, uh, whenever I could, get them to my exhibitions. Yeah. And I had enough exhibitions over the years. So they would be there. Proud parents. We have no idea what you're doing, but we're proud of you. <laughs> you know this moment? <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I always like sending my, my pieces to my mom. Mm. I think it's it's a nice little boost whenever my mom says, oh, I like this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's another <laughs> one. <laughs> Take us out of mom land for just a second. No, well, but but like whenever you're, whenever you're creating and you find that moment of like, hey, that's really, that's really great. What do you do? Do you write down? I mean, I don't know how you would do, I don't know what you would do from a code. Do you write it down and say like, I want to use this for something later? Do you make a drawing of it? Do you put it to the side? Yeah, yeah. I, I basically have to bench ideas all mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. Like I have uh, on my computer, yeah. a Trello board, which is just called Projects. Okay. So Trello is this, you know, Kanban board. And then I just open a new column, drop the visual I have, mm -hmm. somehow there ideas underneath. And then, you know, just grows. Yeah. Uh, horizontal <laughs> it just keeps going yeah like i can scroll there for some time and then it's like okay uh, uh -huh. and then i can kind of prioritize like okay my skills are good for this or that or i don't know maybe sometimes things come together mm -hmm. but uh i was thinking about this today there was this meme uh i don't know in the 2000s this multi multi-track drifting meme mm -hmm. it's from a japanese manga mm -hmm. And then it shows basically a train that is like multi-track mm -hmm. drifting over three rails. I have to show you this to yeah, you later. Crazy. Uh, and there's just a guy saying like, multi-track drifting. <laughs> and that's how I feel sometimes just like I have one project open. Like I don't really should focus on FSM, but there's so much stuff like happening on the side. Just bench it, bench it, bench it. Yeah. And then right now I'm in this mode where I'm like doing more physical stuff again because I'm, uh -huh. I would like to get things back into the physical space. And I feel like uh, 
if there are any collectors out there, that <laughs> you are ready to collect some <laughs> physical pieces at one point. <laughs> so when you say you're making physicals, you mean prints or do you mean plots? Neither nor. Neither nor. Oh. Electronic pieces that you can take that are the piece itself, somehow like self-contained systems. Mm -hmm. um, because the, it came out now, let's say, again, out of the blue. The yeah. other day I was working on... Uh, no, actually, it started when I was doom scrolling on Instagram and I saw <laughs> this like ad for uh, some fancy midi controller keyboard and i was like oh i want to do that too like but i don't have it oh wait you have or your own studio with all of the micro electronic shit <laughs> so i started to put down some potentiometers and buttons and it's, it's ah. without a screen yet and then connected that to fsm like a special version and then i could so this is what you've been showing on on your twitter exactly ah. i started to basically make my own interface midi interface Mm -hmm. uh, but then, like, when I was controlling those things, like, I had no visual feedback from that little controller. And I was like, mm -hmm. what if I put some LEDs there or smaller screen? Mm -hmm. But wait, now I can just play everything on that little screen. And then I had everything there. Mm -hmm. I was like, hmm. let's take it from here to somewhere else where we didn't just leave out the computer again. Yeah. Because that in that moment was just bridge technology to visualize. So now I have constraints again which are nice always for designing and now i can think inside of this little box how to develop a whole work that lives inside basically the palm of your hand mm -hmm. and um then i've been looking around like uh maybe i can kind of combine this again at one point with another idea because I've been developing like a smaller collection, which I uh, call for now pulsars, mm -hmm. which is on the idea of this like pulsating stars. That, and there's, uh, it's very connected to like, a, I mean, for me, for my research to a Berlin artist duo before they were a trio, Quadrature. Mm -mm. Um, they, they had a lot of like physical works that were, yeah, basically about astronomy. Oh. They have very nice works. Like there's a plotter that goes over, um, let's say, the map of London. And then whenever, like in real time, a satellite flies by, the plotter gets activated and draws the line of the satellite. Oh, wait. Was this at Spectrum? Yes. Yes, I think I saw this. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was cool. Yeah. yeah. And they, they have uh, like another installation, which is also like with this pulsars where they just show on each like... I think it's like one LED per pulsar, mm -hmm. star, whatever. And uh, the frequency is then the blinking, how fast it spins. But I wanted to take the same data set and maybe transfer it somewhere else like mm -hmm. into my realms. Yeah. Um, but then at, in my studio, I found like this round display. <laughs> and then now I'm, I'm in the position where I have to say like do I bring all of these things together and then release you know a physical of pulsars or do I develop just a um, digital collection out of it get it yeah um, tough one yeah but you had another you also had another physical idea too that we were talking about exactly I have it also here in my backpack which I can show you later oh cool um, but uh, this was what I was getting at with the plots right, and prints yes, yes, yes. 
That's knitted. Yeah, that's knitted. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk. You want to talk about it or no? Sure, sure. Yeah, tell um, me. I mean, I would uh, have to talk also the next few days with Paul from FXH a bit yeah. more. Like he was already very much, I think, interested in oh. this. Oh. And um, he'll be here in a bit. Okay, then we talk later, yep. Paul. Um, yeah, this is basically something where I was thinking to release a smaller collection. Like I'm, I'm thinking more now smaller collections because um, I don't have the power to sell out. Like yeah, big collections of stuff. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not that known as Kim. Like yeah, who sure. can just go ahead and do this, <laughs> yeah. and everyone is like. Good job, you did it, actually. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually fine with uh, smaller collections if it works out. Uh, but yeah. for this is actually um, has, has a reason because I cannot produce those many things. Yeah. Um, because it's always a bit connected to the goodwill of the people I'm also working with. But uh, it would be a scarf in the end, like yeah. a generative art scarf. Mm-hmm. That is very distinctive in my style, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't developed actually the digital piece yet because the way I developed that prototype scarf, which is somehow weird to say mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or call it, uh, with basically one of my old processing sketches. Okay. There I had like 16 pixels in the width and then 1,600 pixels in the height. And then, you know, I was just letting it run. Hit pause. I like that frame. <laughs> Let's make it. You know, <laughs> I'm just going to save this PNG and uh, send it to the machine. Uh-huh. The machine is a great one. It's like huge industrial. Where is this machine? In Bremen. In Bremen. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, but uh, I have not uh, talked about like edition size or something. Mm-hmm. But in the end, like you would be, the way I imagine it, you would be able to pick your frame and then i can sort of produce it and then send you something back that you can actually wear and keeps you warm in the winter (laughs) that's cool like jeff donaldson did these something like this before he was using viruses and he was visualizing viruses Mm. um, and making scarves out of them Um, glitch house is what he yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. i i knew glitch house already before Uh, and he's he's a, he's a character. He's also from Houston, and I knew him in New York and mm. whatever. Um, and here, and he was he did a he used to take Nintendos like all modded out and do those as visuals for mm. bands and whatnot. And he toured with like these are powers, and it was really crazy looking. <laughs> 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 I was like, man, I, I like that guy. <laughs> I should get to know him a little bit better. We actually had an exhibition with him at next door once oh, too. Nice. It's kind of interesting that scarves are like like an idea. Like no, I think that's great. Yeah, I, I find it interesting. Like, I mean, uh, we uh, in Bremen in the design department, we had the the, the fashion students, and mm-hmm. you know, they could wear their yeah designs. In the yeah. end, they make shows and everything, yeah. and they were very uh, experimental in what they were doing or are still doing. And I really, I mean, I found a very new, mm-hmm. r- renewed admiration for their work now through the CAD. Uh, Werkstatt they have like the workshop it's very technical and uh, I was understanding maybe half of the things that were told to wow. me 
Um, that makes you feel good too, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. But the moment I saw like their software, I was just like, I can do better software than this and <laughs> I can make my own interpreter, maybe. I don't know. Uh-huh. Or I want to at least, but I never want to ruin those machines. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But uh, it's this way where you sometimes drift off. Um, but yeah, I think it's um, kind of, I mean, you've been producing a lot of plots. Yeah. And um, I feel like. We, have, we we reached the point somehow where everyone is a bit, you know, saturated mm-hmm. and you have so much stuff in your wallets, you can't even like really look at it. You yeah. would have to put it on a very nice screen, but then do like some, I don't know, presentation mode that sw- switches every yeah. uh, nah. X seconds or minutes. Then I, I don't think that's kind of... Uh, and it's not going to get less. No, <laughs> and it's not nice to the artist itself. Like if you're just a five yeah. second slideshow thing somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like we're, um, I mean, history kind of repeats itself and we're in a cycle where we come back again for some time mm-hmm. because we have been, you know, oversaturated. And maybe sometimes it's just nice to collect a pin that you can put on your clothes, sure. uh, scarf, I don't know, the plots on the wall, like yeah. Things that have a bit more permanence. Slow down. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's it too. I mean, I'm. I think the i. From. I don't want to go too deep on the blockchain, but, you know, like I'm always talking to Harpen on that, Con- connecting the blockchain to the physical objects and using this like as using the tool the way it should be used. You <laughs> know, using it for art for the for the point of art where it makes sense, and then using it for keeping together like any object not just your art but your record collection whatever the fuck mm-hmm. just have it you know and and make it go the first person to actually make a app where you just pick your phone up and you put it on there and it sends you directly to the nft and it says who owns that nft first person to do all that shit <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know that to me kind of feels like what is going on with deca and and uh, art fora if you kind of add those two things together you mm. sort of have that and that's kind of like maybe a killer app in that situation if anybody out there is smart <laughs> you might <laughs> maybe you want to think about that but you know like i told you earlier if you're taking any advice from us you're an idiot so you're probably <laughs> not going to do this <laughs> <laughs> yeah conundrum um anyway <laughs> Anyway, so like for these physical things, are you thinking of, are you going to have them be NFTs as a thing and then connecting the sale of that via a platform in some way? Or are you gonna- yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about a kind of a two-tiered system, like the way you can have individual scarves mm-hmm. will be through NFTs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to do this also uh, in connection with FX Hash, uh, especially when they're launching the 2.0 uh-huh. to ETH. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is where it could fit in right, yeah, kind of nicely. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sort of thinking about, no, not really sort of thinking, I'm trying to realize a own web shop in the end where you can just buy a standard or maybe out of three, like, uh, versions but basically a standard version of it that yeah. is not um yeah modified by yourself like something that i have let's say more on stock mm-hmm. and you but would make them yourself or you would get them manufactured i would get them manufactured with the the tools that i have uh-huh. gotcha <laughs> but yeah i will show you the the quality is actually super nice it's like berino wool and 
Mm-hmm. You want to wear that? Yeah, nice. Yeah, I do. You're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, I mean, that's basically one of the things I'm more or less up to. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, the physical thing with the little screen that is kind of living in your palm um, really came out just the last few weeks by playing around with this MIDI controller-ish stuff. Mm-hmm. Um But you said you had a, a, a circular screen. Yes. How, what, how does that work? Well, a circular screen is in the end basically a, it's a square. It's a square stretched. screen, but the edges are cut off. Oh, the edges are just cut. Not it's not even stretched to fit around in the circle. It's no, not, the no, no, no. Then there's no like let's say polar bending of the yeah. coordinate system. It's like you have circular thing, mm-hmm. and then the, you cannot access the pixels which are lying outside of the yeah. Got radius. It. Got it. Um, okay. But uh, it still feels very nice, like to see this odd shape. Like, oh, why is the screen round? (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, I, you know, a lot of the shapes I'm making are pretty like far out. And I was thinking, Mm -hmm. like, man, if if there was a way to have a screen that was like in these weird shapes like this, that would be really dope. But I don't know that you could do that very easily. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) could be maybe down the road. You know, maybe we're not too far. We're not living too far away from that future, I guess. But It could be. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I don't know why you, anybody else would want that. Like, you know, those Ellsworth Kelly um, canvases or whatever. I think that that's Ellsworth Kelly that would like make those odd canvases. Mm-hmm. You know, like a big crazy corner over there with a big circular side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wouldn't it be crazy as a screen? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more the, uh, the, in the hands of the consumers. Like they need their <laughs> uh, rectangular screens that are like fixed to the vision like. did you go see that money uh that mon- uh, market makers uh, exhibition no uh, it's pretty I, I missed it it was actually pretty good uh. not a singular rectangular um not a sing not one rectangular screen in there there was every screen that was in there was uh, square oh wow yeah okay it was interesting to me to see that because i i rarely think that i rarely you know you just don't expect that you know and like I, I I could see one or two squares and one or two rectangles, you know, or whatever. But to see that there was just not one, and that was one of the things I noticed. Mm. <laughs> there just wasn't one in there. Um, I noticed a few other pieces in there that I thought were really dope. I, that that was actually a very well thought through show and quite and very well executed. It was in a good place too. It was quite cool. Stina's a nice person mm. um, as well. Those screens must have cost a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, and he said they were incredibly expensive. Yes, they are, because yeah. no one uses them. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like <laughs> rules of the market. Anti, when we were sitting there, he's like, they have five 5,000 euro screens. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that's very expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But the work looked good. I mean, shit, that worked with, that work looked great on those screens, man. It was, mm. it, it was perfectly made for that. Yeah. yeah. That's what it was for, it was for squares. So, yeah. That's one of those one of those things. Do you think that the future is square screen? No, no. I mean, I have nothing to back this up. But <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. Like I, I've seen a company trying to sell square screens, and they say like it's perfect for medical appliances, la la la. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, but it's also a bunch of bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> it's square. I think that a 16 by nine is a nice, you know, aspect ratio, or three to four is a mm. nice ad. But square is kind of weird, you know, and you're looking yeah. at it, you're like, this is really odd looking, but, you know, it's cool. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. I know that what Samsung made a phone recently that folds out yeah. and becomes a square. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, I think 
I don't remember if it was Seifert or somebody I was having a conversation with that was also saying that square screens are a good move, but I don't it know. It fits art pieces better, like, than, you know, the everyday use. Like, most of the things that we have on screen are just, you know, always stretched into the width. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like lists, or, I don't know, listing of things and file names and, uh, you know, all of these things <laughs> don't fit into all these little nice squares. <laughs> But for FSM, it would be perfect. Yeah, like, it would. Yeah, for this kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting. It's interesting for that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Though I don't necessarily think that there's going to be a whole lot of that kind of neat call for that because consumers aren't going to be interested in a square mm -hmm. screen for many reasons. Yeah, but they might for their homes. I mean, you know, this ubiquity of screens concepts. You know, I don't know. I watched one of these um, smart people talk, um, and I saw like. They were talking about these screens that just are like wallpaper for your home, mm -hmm. you know, and then you just kind of put them up there and then they're just going to kind of be, and you can just change the color and you can change like the pattern. And I was thinking to myself, that's, we're just two steps away from total recall. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's just all these, you know, come to the beach <laughs> as your ad. We're throwing these nice ads at you in your home uh, <clears throat> because you have screens literally everywhere. You know, no yeah. more paint, no more paint. It's just going to be screens <laughs> everywhere fantastic so do you listen to music when you make stuff i do yeah what are you listening to um i listen to a lot of hip-hop uh -huh. hip-hop or rap ah oh, that's a good question because i listen to everything like from hip-hop to rap uh -huh. but then i you also sometimes just mix it up and then i'm like i don't know in these 2000s jungle drum and bass yeah uh like that Gets, uh, gets your juices up yeah and it kind of also fits nicely with uh my my visuals do you listen to current rappers no i don't understand them uh-huh there's something about them like i mean there were a few years ago there's like cloud rap movement that yeah. was already kind of uh too undefined maybe yeah i mean it's in the name more or less Yeah. Like they, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, they, I mean, you know, rap to me is a super vibrant, yeah. crazy world, but yeah, I love it. But I get, I get it whenever people don't like, I think rap is one of these things. It's like you get, you're connected to a specific era of rap somehow. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know if I listen to G rap, uh, when yeah. it goes back to that time, it's like, okay, but then it's more nostalgia. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, Right now, if I can, then I just sometimes I'm super basic and I'm just playing chill hop, like yeah. as as a category of music. <laughs> It doesn't even have a definition in anything. It's just like I'm listening to chill hop or study beats to program Perfect. to. Bing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't have to concentrate on this. It just runs, and I hope there are some like binaural. Uh, moves inside yeah there. inside there that are just stimulating my brain and then i'm good yeah. so yeah yeah kind of like i'm i have this thing about like i i told this to lisa last week when we were talking about i said you know it's like when i'm working on with the plotter now i'm listening to rap consistently i turn the plotter on and the rap comes on and it's just kind of i'm just sitting there listening and i go through today's stuff like i'm really into some guys up, up from upstate new york like these Like rxk nephew and rx poppy and these guys that come from that region because mm. they're mixing this early 2000s sort of drum and bass stuff and this sort of glitch core thing mm. 
and they're putting it with like well, today rap, you know, like today's rap, and it's just fucking wicked. It's just crazy, <laughs> far out shit. And then like he, RXK nephew, just put out a record with a guy called um, DJ Rude One from Chicago. Mm-hmm. He's done some pretty kind of low key, kind of like but deep, heavy beat kind of stuff. And he did this with RXK recently, and it's like, like you just start fuck your set, and he just starts <laughs> off with this, and he's just like going on it. And you're just like, I, I think that guy doesn't like my set. <laughs> All right, <laughs> gotta check this out later. Yeah, man, I'll send it to you. Yeah. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, so yeah, anyway, it's been great. It's cool. We're kind of running up on it here, but uh, do you got do you have anything you want to bring up that we didn't cover? No, I don't know. We talked about a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. <laughs> Dude, what kind of potter do you have? I didn't. I never asked you this before. You have a you have a potter in your studio, right? I actually have two plotters, uh-huh. and they're both right now not functional. Oh, why? Because one I built by myself completely. Oh, like it's a Axie Draw clone. Okay. It's you this. mean you got the things? Yeah, yeah. The 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 rods and all that stuff. Everything. Wow. It's not that hard. Like. Yeah. I'm an idiot. You know, no, it's just out, out like the box. there's. Uh, I think it's always like how much you want to invest your time into this, and then yeah, it just yeah. works, yeah. and you just have to look for the right parts on the internet. But uh, that, I mean, it technically works. There's just something with the pen mechanism which I didn't design so nicely. Uh-huh. So uh, I tried to copy it from the original Exidraw, and then uh, that didn't work. <laughs> Plus, then on top, I had to write my own software to make it nice, uh, yeah. which I kind of skipped then. But I was, uh, this project is already three years old. It's like from the first lockdown. Uh-huh. Um, Gave you something to do. Yeah, yeah, but I never really used it, like just to draw very squiggly lines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the other one is actually uh, a HP, one of the ones that Marcel also has ah, the smaller like these one. older retro version these 54 56 yeah. or age something i don't know i yeah. don't have the number but yeah. um yeah it's one of these things yeah there's something also broken like a little wheel uh. but uh, if i start there the demo mode it just goes wild and it's like super nice to look but <laughs> yeah i always wanted to get into plotters like i i like the the aesthetics and the analog feel of them uh-huh. but yeah yeah I'm not also a, like I'm multi-track drifting all the other things. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I just got I just ordered the A1 Axi draw. So like mm. I'm 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 you know, I'm in it now. I'm not interested I'm not I guess it's weird because I'm not super interested in the machine itself. I'm interested in like how I interact with the machine. It's kind of yeah. right now, maybe down the road I might be more interested in the machines, but right now it's just like, "Oh shit, this thing does all the stuff I wanted to do." <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so I think we're going to go next door and hang out with people. Yeah. Yeah, I think like some of our friends are there. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Hey, so thank you very much for listening, folks. This has been Arbitrarily Deterministic on KeithFM.com. I'm Ken. Been hanging out with Julian Hespenheide. It's been nice. Thanks for having me, Ken. Yeah, totally. This is us saying goodbye. Ciao.